Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Now here's Pastor Marco De Barros. Last couple of weeks, we have been looking at the story of Esther as our story of salvation. How God takes us from rags to royalty. How her story, it really is a foreshadow of the story of salvation, of grace. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's God's gift to us. Amen. But last week we talked about how our story has a villain. And that villain shows up to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give you a rich and satisfying life. Amen. But it's important to see the hands of the enemy trying to persuade you away from God's will. Even now, I believe that he is trying to keep your mind away from the word. you got to stay focused. Amen. And, uh, but God makes us warriors like Mordecai. God says, I've equipped you to fight back. Right? I equipped you to win this battle. Right? You may lose some battles here and there, but you don't lose the war because the war is already being overcome by Jesus Christ. Right? And so the key is to live in the fullness of his will according to Jesus. And today, I'm so excited because we're going to conclude this series here. It's the climax of the story of Esther which I believe is also the climax of your story. If you're walking with the Lord, you're going to understand that uh, God doesn't take you from rags to royalty just for you to look good. He takes you from rags to royalty so you can represent him well. That's right. So you can be a blessing now. Can you say amen? And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Esther chapter 4. But I want to paint the picture for you here as we dive into this. Uh, Mordecai uh, knew that Haman, remember the enemy had persuaded the king to have a decree where all the Jews would be killed. Haman hated the Jews because the Jews refused to live the lifestyle that they lived. That's why the Bible says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewal of your mind. So you may be able to know God's will for you. Amen? And so Haman hates that. The enemy hates that about you, that you're trying to live for God, that you're not, you're not, you're not, Go with the flow of the world. That you're decided. Like today, I've decided to follow Jesus. We've got a baptism. It's powerful to make a, a public declaration. Now, I've decided that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. It's the life that I choose to live. And the enemy hates that. Right? But that's the beautiful thing about this battle is that you're on the right side. Can you say amen? amen. So Mordecai, knew, knowing this, Mordecai knew that the only person in a, in a situation... To make a difference was Esther. Why? Because Esther was a Jewish young girl that was in the palace. Now, I hope you're following here. You see how God works? God anticipates the enemy's moves. Right? God, knowing that this was going to happen, God made sure that he positioned a Esther inside the palace to persuade the king in favor of his will. See, if you're walking with the Lord, God's already orchestrated things on your behalf to make sure that you're going to win on the other side. Like, the key is to be paying attention to know what God is doing. And this is what Mordecai does. This is why we all need spiritual counsel from the right people. Mordecai was, was, was Esther's spiritual father in a sense. And Mordecai knows the situation and he begins to challenge Esther to take charge of the situation. Because this was not going to be an easy thing. For Esther to approach the king without being asked, that's putting her life on the line. Okay, this was not a small thing. This was like, listen, your life could be on the line here. You know, Paul says, 
that when you give your life to Jesus, you've been crucified. Like your life is already on the line. It's not about you anymore. It's about the Lord. It's about his will. It's about his purpose. You understand this? This is going to be very heavy, but you understand the moment you say to Jesus, I give you my life, you have no control. Right? You have no control. And that's the best place you want to be. It's the best place you want to be. Right? Because then he takes it from there. Can you say amen? But watch this, right? Esther, knowing this is going to be difficult, is kind of resisting a little bit. And Mordecai challenges him with these two verses. So powerful. I pray this gets in your system. Right? Mordecai says this to Esther. Right? In verse 13, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. That's how, that's how, listen, that's how much faith Mordecai has. Say, listen, Esther, if you don't raise up, God will raise up somebody else. But you'll miss the opportunity to be God's blessing, to be God's hands and feet, to be God's channel. See, every day I believe this. God puts out the call. Some people grab a hold of it. Some people don't. I pray you're the people that don't miss out on God's calling over your life, that he's got a plan for you. Because if not, he'll skip over you and go to somebody else. I pray it should be the same as that blind man. He said, Jesus, don't pass me by. I'm right here. I'm right here. I don't want to be the guy that, that was passed over because I wasn't ready for the challenge. Can you say amen? Right? But he said, listen, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen, queen, African in me, accent gets me every time. For such a time as this. My God, that will preach. The title of this message is For Such a Time. It's for such a time. Listen, I'm going to jump right to the chase this morning and, and share this, this, this quote with you by a preacher named William Barclay. He said this. He said there are two important dates in your life. Right? There are two greatest days in a person's life. The day we are born and the day we discover why. That's powerful. Right? The day you are born is very important because it's the day you came into earth. But the day you discover why is even more important so you know you have a purpose on this earth. There's nothing more sad than to walk through life with no purpose, with no direction. Right? Some people get up in the morning, it's like whatever happens, happens. I would, I would listen, I would suggest to you this morning, you know, every, every Saturday morning I go to an undisclosed location to go pray and get ready for church. Okay, I do it every single Sunday. I did it this morning, you know. And, and, and I see people working really hard at this place to relax. They work hard to relax. Like, I see people getting so many things on the yachts and stuff and just to find a way to relax. Like, they work really hard to relax. And I think to myself, that cannot be the reason why we're alive. Like, I work really hard to do nothing. Like, that baffles me. This this morning hit me again. I'm like, wow, look how hard they're working to do absolutely nothing. I'd rather go to church and work for something that means something in this life and in the life to come. Like, like, I don't know about you. You're not going to get to the end of your life and go, look, I did absolutely nothing. And it was awesome. Now, obviously, everybody needs a time to relax. I'm not talking about that. Everybody, the Bible... The Bible commands you to relax. He gives you a Sabbath day. He says, like, relax. 
But he said, on the six days, you should labor. Right? And then relax. Some people, it's like six days of relaxing, one day of maybe <laughs> laboring. And then they get mad when people are blessed. Come on. Think about it. Yeah. Are you following? Yeah. So, so this morning, I want you to reflect on some things. Why are you you? Why aren't you somebody else? Because a lot of times we spend a lot of time thinking we should be somebody else. But God doesn't make mistakes. Right? Why are you you? Right? Why are you the way you are? If God is God, there's a reason why you're you. If God is God, there's a reason why you're in the Bedford. Like, stop talking like I should be out in the bed. Like, if God is God, don't you think he maybe placed you here for a reason? Every other day I hear someone talking about, I can't wait to leave New Bedford. Where are you going to go to get away from you? Where are you going to go? Why are you alive? Everybody, you know, every day people die. Why are you alive? Why are you still here? What are you meant to do with your life? I don't care how old you are, because the Bible breaks all kinds of myths. Like he uses very young kids at 12 or 12, sometimes even younger than that. Solomon was eight years old when he became a king, right? And he uses 80-year-old people like Moses. Okay? So there's no... There's no, like, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm too this, I'm black, I'm white, I'm this. Listen, God does not care. Like, he created you for you, you are, for a reason. For a reason. So Esther became a queen for a reason. Right? Like, God didn't go through all that work to take her out of slavery, to give her favor over everybody else, to put into the palace, just to say, look at you, Esther, you go, girl. I was thinking about it this morning. Listen, this weekend is a very special weekend for me because 19 years ago on a Memorial Day weekend is when Jesus changed my life. 19 years ago. But he changed my life for a reason. It wasn't just to say, look, hey, go to church and be holier than thou. No, he said, I'm changing your life for a reason, for a purpose. God positioned her to be the voice of the voiceless. Think about this, right? She is now in here where everybody wants to be. She's in the house. Right? She's in here looking what's happening outside. You know how easy it is to just sit back and watch things happen. You know how many people live like this? In the comfort of their palace, watching everything happen, and talk about it. You know how many people will be in the comfort of the palace talking about, on Facebook, man, the world is terrible. I can't believe what's happening. I guess I'll send a nice Bible verse. Do we honestly believe that God rescues us from rags to royalty to just look back and watch the world burn? No, he said, Sister, I am rescuing you. I put you inside to affect what's going on on the outside. Your job is to affect the outside world. That's the goal. This is why I'm saying, when I say street team, I'm saying, let's go affect the outside. 
Like, let's go and actually be Jesus' hands and feet because he didn't save us to just stop and do absolutely nothing with our lives. Like, he didn't save us to just relax. He saved us to work. I can prove it to you. I can prove it to you. In the Bible, it tells you this, that God blesses people to be a blessing. When he called Abraham, when he said, I'm going to start afresh, Abraham, with you, after Noah's flood, he says, we're going to start new. And, but here's what we're going to do, Noah, Abraham. I'm going to, I got to take you out of your comfort zone to be able to do something that's bigger than you that will bless you, your family, and the people to come. Can I show it to you? Look, the Bible says this. It says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So if God's blessing you, it's not just for you. I'm telling you, pay attention. One of probably the closest demonic philosophy of our day is do you. It sounds amazing. Make life about you. When God says, no, I want to bless you to be a blessing to others. Matter of fact, God will stop the blessings from flowing if you hoard it. He says, my cup would overflow, which means like it can overflow so you can pour it in someone else's cup so they also can be blessed. That's Christianity. That's the goal. You know, Rick Warren wrote Purpose Driven Life, which you should read it. Did you know that Purpose Driven Life is the most sold, most translated book in the entire world right next to the Bible. There's the Bible and there's Purpose Driven Life. It's wild that one man could have that much impact. You know what he said? He said, God knew that when he gave me that book that I could trust me to bless others with it. But you know what the first line in the book is? The first line in the book is, it's not about you. (laughs) The first line in the world's philosophy is, Do you. The first line in in gospel philosophy is, it's not about you. Come on, that will preach. God brought Esther into the palace, not just for her. God was thinking about our entire nation when he brought her into this place. She had no idea. This is why Mordecai had to say, don't you think perhaps God brought you here for such a time as this? Right? Think about that for a second. How many times we live in la-la land, wishful thinking? I wish I was born in the 80s. I wish I was born in the 50s. I wish I was born in this. Why don't you think maybe you were born for such a time as this? Listen, I hope you catch this. Every time we wish to be somewhere else or somebody else, in a way, we're telling God, you made a mistake. That's what we're saying. God, you don't know what you're doing. Come on. But me, I know what I'm doing. Because I do me all day long. Come on, are you following? God makes it clear that he's got a purpose for humanity. Those that will listen to him. Right? God says he has a purpose. And he makes it clear. Look, I want to give you four reasons why you're alive. I can guarantee you, you, this is four reasons why you're here. Number one, the Bible says you're here to have a relationship with God. To love God and to love people. That's the number one reason God created humanity. He says, I want a family, but I want you to choose to love people. I want it to be a choice. So I'll give you free will. To love God and love people. That's the number one reason you're alive right now. If you're not living for that, trust me, you're not living the God, the God will desire for your life. Love God, love people. 
Number two reason why you're here is God says, I want to make man in that image and likeness, my character. I want, you, I want you to look more like us, like Jesus. That's the process of salvation. It's not to stay the same. It's to grow into the character that God created you to have in the first place. Yeah. Number three, God says, now I want you to, to, to have a relationship, have character, but also to be productive. Production means you got to be about your father's business. Jesus at the age of 12 said, I got to be about my father's business. And he was saying, like, this is why I came, and this is what those who follow me will be all about. I got to be about my father's business. Okay? And then number four, he says, I want you to, to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to reproduce physically, but also spiritually. Like this morning, baby dedication, that's the physical reproduction of God's people. But also, guess what? God says, I want you to multiply spiritually. I want you to make more disciples. I want you to make more and more people that will walk with me, that will talk like me, that will live like me, that will live in my fullness of your will. That's God's will for humanity. That's God's will. If you read the Bible, that's all the Bible is emphasizing, those four things, over and over again. So the more we say it's about us, the more we miss it. The more you try to make it about, I got to work hard to relax, the more miserable you are. Because you're not fitting into the flow, the vein that God created you to flow in the first place. And the more you are in this flow, man, the more alive you come. The more exciting life becomes. Right? That's the reality. Listen, our world is doing everything to do nothing. And God is doing everything to push people towards his reality. That's why I believe church should be a place that is comfortable, but also very uncomfortable at the same time. Comfortable because I can go there, I belong there, but uncomfortable because, man, God's not going to let me settle down for anything less than his will and his purpose and his plan and his reality for my life. So Mordecai kept Esther accountable, saying, listen, why do you think you got here? Why do you think you got here? Listen, one of my concerns with church is, is, is familiarity. You know, more, most people lose their blessings not from the devil, but because they become too familiar. You know, Jesus could not perform miracles in his own hometown because they're like, oh, yeah, we know you. You're the carpenter's son. And Jesus is like, because you're taking me for granted, I'm going to go to another city and watch him get blessed. And you won't be blessed. Why? Because you think you know me already. Be careful not to become too familiar with church that you miss out on God's blessings every single time we meet, that God's always working, he's always moving, he's always operating. Today, people are going to get baptized. Listen, you don't take this stuff for granted. Every time someone comes home, the Bible says you should celebrate them. You should be excited that they're coming home. But when life is about you, that's like, oh, oh, I got to go home and relax. (laughs) And then we wonder why our lives are not having some kind of impact. Because we're not meant to just do nothing. We're meant to be productive. We're meant to be alive for such a time as this. It comes with some risks. But that's where you come alive. That's when life is exciting. Right? Look, the Bible makes it clear. This is God's will. Look, Ephesians. It says this in Ephesians, look, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
Like nobody can take credit for salvation. I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I was baptized, catechized, Christianized. You know, I was an altar boy. And, I mean, I used to volunteer every single week. It doesn't matter. That's not what saves you. Grace is what saves you. Now, because you're saved, you work. Why do you work? Because that's the only response you can possibly have to a God that's that good to you. You're like, man, I got to do something to reflect this grace of God in my life. I want to go out and be a blessing to others. That's Christianity in a nutshell. Right? So anytime uh, something like a street team comes up is an inconvenience, I question the salvation. Very quiet. Because it's like, wait a minute, what is the priority of a person who has been given the grace of God? It's to go and give grace back. It's to spill it over because the more I give, the more I receive. The more I give, the more I receive. The more I bless, the more I become blessed. The more I hoard, the more selfish I become, the more miserable I become. Esther, you were brought to the palace for such a time as this. Put your life on the line for the sake of your nation. It's crazy to hear people talk. People like, I stopped believing. Why? Because God didn't answer my prayer. So, wait a minute. So your faith was based on God answering a prayer, not on God himself. So you never had faith in God. You had faith in yourself that he would do what you wanted him to do. Think about it. Right? If our faith is hinged on anything less than the grace of God, it's not faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in ourselves. The opposite of faith is not fear, it's self. When I'm not relying on God, I'm relying on myself. The devil would love for you to fall into some pity party. He loves self-pity. Because he knows, hey, if I can focus on you, I got you. You know how many people every day focuses on self-pity? Oh, man, I wish someone would do this. I wish this would happen. I wish that would happen. I wish that would happen. Can I tell you something? God will never come to your pity party. Quiet. <laughs> this, this, this journey is an adventure. Yeah. Right. Nothing is guaranteed. Right. When God said to us, go to New Bedford, he didn't say anything else. <laughs> he didn't say, go to New Bedford and it's going to be amazing. Go to New Bedford, it's going to be awesome. No, he said, go to New Bedford. Obey my word first. Watch what I will do when you obey what I'm going to do. Like, you got to put in your faith in action for me to be able to bless it. And make something with it. There's a risk involved. She had to put her life on the line. We had to put our family on the line. Commuting our kids back and forth. Not knowing if we're going to get a house. Not knowing if this thing's going to work out. Not knowing where we're going to have church. But guess what? That's where you come alive. You're not in control. And God is in control. And he does beautiful things when you trust him. Grace is you get what you don't deserve. That's grace. He took a knucklehead, a 20-year-old, and decided, listen, I'm going to use you. I shouldn't be doing this. Like, we have a joke. They they must have made a clerical error in heaven for us to be doing ministry. I shouldn't be doing this. Like, who am I to be doing this? It's just the grace of God. It's just the grace of God. I don't know where we get this idea we get spiritually prideful. After a while in church, 
After a while in church, people are so concerned with their title, their position, their, their parking lot spot, and this and that. And we lose sight of the fact that, man, you are just a mess, a blob, a nothing. And God took you, shaped you, molded you, made you into who you are today. How about you focus on him? Focus on him. Focus on him. That's where you come alive. Not positions. Not who's closer to the pastor. I could care less. Get to know me. I don't care about those things at all. I care about seeing people having their lives changed, transformed, healed, restored, blessed. That's what matters. I told some of our guys the other day, I don't want titles in the church. No titles. We're just servant leaders. That's it. We're just here to serve the Lord. Whatever we need to do, let's do it. Listen, someone had to show up early today to set this up, to put the water in. That's what I'm talking about. That's what church is all about. That's it. That's it. That's it. There's a need. I'm in. If I wasn't preaching, I would be here early serving. Trust me. I know myself. I would be early doing something with my hands. But I have to set up my heart and soul in this to be able to give this the best I can. We're not about titles. We're not about positions. We are about doing the Father's business. Please pass this along. This is what this church is about. Some of my heroes right now are right in the other side with the kids' ministry, doing what they do. That's what I'm talking about. People investing. Investing. They're investing in the next generation. You think God doesn't bless that? You think the enemy likes that? That's why he makes it, oh, children's ministry is so hard. No, it's like, that's when you need to say, yeah, but by the grace of God, these kids are going to grow up and be men and women of God, women of righteousness. She got into that place to save her people. That's why God saved you. To do something useful. That's what God saved you. Not for you to do you. Can I tell you something? Being right is so overrated. It's so overrated. Some people have left the church because they didn't want it to be a certain way. It's like, man, so it's all about you. Because I put, I, I'm pretty sure we have a great vision here where it's not about us. It's about God. Like, get online. Like, get into a team and do something useful with life. What's burning within you? Like, seriously, what's burning within you? What makes you come alive? Sometimes, here's how you find your calling. What makes you mad? Yep. Yep. See, what makes you mad is not for you to complain about. It's for you to do something about it. It's for you to do something about it. You know what makes me mad? Driving to the city and see people lost. You know what makes me do? It makes me pray harder. It makes me fast harder. It makes me do preaching harder. It makes me want to go harder to make a difference in this city. Not complain about it. I don't want to complain about it. I want to make a difference in this place. This is what God put us here for. This is what God put us here for. What drives you? You know, we have people here with incredible passion. There's a couple here who, who have a passion for the kids in Kenya. That's a beautiful thing. Because they have a passion. And we said, we're going to get behind that passion yeah. and we're going to bless these kids together. Yeah. We've got brothers here who have a passion for addiction. And so they open their homes and they have Bible studies to help actors, to addicts to come out of their lifestyle. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's what God says. I give you a passion for something. 
I pray that you guys that work with kids, you have a passion for them. That this is not an obligation. It's not a burden. It's a passion. I believe salvation comes with a burden. It comes with a desire to make a difference. I don't care if it's one person. Jesus preached his greatest message to one person. For God so loved the world, Nicodemus, that he gave his only son for you. Look how Jesus puts stock in a person's life. One person goes to the Samaritan woman, one message. Goes to the lame, one message. He preaches to the masses, but he's got focus on one person. Can you imagine if all of us focus on one person? You know how much more your life would be exciting when you stop thinking too much about you and think about others? I'm telling you, you would, you know, the buzzword of our world is happiness. Why do you think people are not happy? Because all they do is focus on themselves. It's not hard to figure out the equation. Do this and you'll be happy. Lose a few pounds, will you be happy? You know, buy this house, you'll be happy. Buy this car, you'll be happy. Have sex with this person, you'll be happy. In the meantime, here we are. No one's happy. Everybody got to take pills to get up, take pills to go to bed. No one's happy. Are we not seeing this? Listen, God wants you to be part of his divine plan. When he saves you, you become part of the family business. Your job is to invest in eternity. This is why we have ministry teams. Because ministry teams is everybody playing a role. From the parking lot. I respect you guys. Being out there. That's ministry. I don't take that lightly because I know it takes everybody in a different place. It's a puzzle, it's a big puzzle that God has. And He says, Look, there's a parking part, there's a greeting part, there's a there's a cafe part, there's a worship part, there's a there's a connect part, you know, there's a preaching part, there's a fellowship part. Like it's a beautiful thing that everybody can play a role. Everybody can play a role. The calling is to be part of something bigger than us. That's right. That's good. This is why I tell people, like, if someone is coming in and say, yeah, I want to volunteer, but I want to do it every other six months. (laughs) Tell them, go home and keep your volunteerism. We're not into volunteerism. We're into ministry. We're into making a difference. Like kids ministry. The last thing I want is our kids to be with someone who doesn't want to be there. Kids are smarter than you think they are. Why do you think when you come in a room, they're walking away? They sense it. You don't want to be here. And I don't want to be next to you if you don't want to be with me. Come on, you think, you ever seen kids, if kids are running away from you, pay attention. Why is it some people walk in the door, kids are like, because they're like, oh, I know you love me. I know you, I know you care about me. If you're in kids' ministry, check your heart. Because they'll know. They're way smarter than we think they are. I mean, my kids check me all the time. I'm telling you, man, I can't escape it. If the Holy Spirit doesn't get me, he'll get me through the kids. I was playing with my kid the other day, playing Legos. I'm on my phone, and he's like, Dad, drop the phone. I'm like, ugh. You know, my three-year-old the other day, dad, without the phone. I'm like, oh, (laughs) thank you, Jesus, for the conviction. Listen, not every day 
something massive like this is going to happen. But we don't know what day of the week that was. We just know that God positioned her to be ready to do something. So if every day I wake up in the morning and say, Lord, my life is in your hands and I'm here for you to use me. It could be on a Monday that God puts something in your path to do. Can I be honest with you? We don't need more formal ministries. We need people who are in informal ministries. People who are ready in season and out of season, the Bible says. You know what that means? It means like just being aware every day. I don't know when God's going to set up a divine appointment. But you know what's, hap- what's interesting to me is the more I pray for divine appointments, the more coincidences happen. You imagine if all of us tomorrow morning say, God, I'm going to my job to be a blessing. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to, to form a committee against the boss. I'm not going to, you know, you know all that stuff. Lord, Lord, I'm going. Listen, when was the last time you actually prayed for your boss? Do you know how hard it is to lead? Because I do. I don't care what people say. They don't know what it means to be a pastor unless you are one. Unless you are one. You will never know the fullness, the weight that he comes with. Just like you don't know what that manager is going through. Yeah, the supervisor is going through. Right. How about you be someone that they can rely on? Right. Someone that's actually a blessing in their life. Yeah. Not a thorn in the flesh. Not another thing they have to deal with. Yeah. I'm telling you, I don't think we need more formal ministries. You know what we need? We just need people more aware of others. Like today, there's people around you that God's like, can you connect with that one? The church is too big for a pastor to do it. It's impossible. Right? It's impossible. The job of the pastor is to equip the people to do the work. If you read your Bible, that's the job of the pastor. My job is to tell you this stuff, and we do it together. But today, you go to a cafe, someone will be sitting there, and God's like, go talk to that person. I remember when God spoke to me about this. I was still a youth pastor. He's like, I don't need you to go around and shake everybody's hand and kissing babies. That's a politician's job. (laughs) You know what he said to me? He said, focus on one person and train other people to focus on other person. Because if you do that, then you can spread out what needs to be done. Okay. That's the job of a believer. Have a genuine conversation with someone that, that doesn't refer back to you. Like, there's nothing more frustrating than that. Right? Yeah, you're talking to someone, and they're like, oh, girl, you have no idea what's going on with me. It's like, why, why can't you give this person a platform? Because maybe in the process of ministering to her, you're going to be ministered to. That's right. But we always flip it. Let's make it about me. One time, I went to a guy for counseling, and he started talking about himself. I said, why am I here? King, because I need help. You're asking me for help. <laughs> Talking about, he wants to hire me. I'm like, you want, I, I came for help. <laughs> you want to hire me? I'm a mess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take someone out for coffee this week. It's one of the most meaningful things I do every week. You know how many people are hurting? Begin to tell you how many people are hurting. This last two weeks, I've met with people with drug addictions on the brink of suicide. Just wanted someone to talk to. They're not playing games. 
How many families I counsel looking for hope, looking for help? Imagine if we begin to really focus on that. Just be a blessing to people. Because I find it amazing. No matter how bad of a day I'm having, when I have these meetings, I walk away blessed. It's amazing how that works. That the more you give, the more you receive. The job of the pastor is not just Sunday morning. We work every day, even on our days off. We work. But man, how much would be awesome to have a church that works? Like a whole church that works. I think if we're paying attention, there's plenty of needs. Plenty of needs around us every day. Plenty of opportunities. You're hurting? Man, reach out to somebody. Reach out to someone else who's hurting, you see. Don't make your, listen, I hope you understand this. Don't make your struggle an idol. Some people, they have made their thing an idol. And so all they do is worship that thing every day. It consumes their mind, it consumes their heart, it consumes their being. And the devil would love for you to do that. Bring that thing to the altar. Say, God, I need to lay down this thing. I want it to happen so bad. But, Lord, I want your will more than I want this thing. Because sometimes the very thing that you want so bad might be the thing that might hinder you. I'm telling you. You got to think bigger. You got to think bigger, Esther, than just you. Think how many people you can influence outside of you. That's salvation. That's grace. What's the big picture? This is the question we're wrestling with. God, why am I alive at this time in history in in whatever city you're from? Why am I here? Not every day something crazy is going to happen, but the more you ask that question, the more you live with purpose. The more you live with intentionality. How do I make an eternal impact, God? How do I make an impact that doesn't stay here? That echoes in eternity. I don't care how old you are. You could be in high school. You can make an internal impact. How great would it be if some high school kids go to high school and actually live for Jesus? How awesome would it be if you went to your college dorm, instead of smoking weed, you're focusing on helping others get to Jesus and get, get to a real life with him? How awesome would it be? How awesome would it be the house that you're praying for becomes a house where it's open, that people can come and be ministered to and blessed to. It's not just a house that looks good, but then you're empty on the inside. How awesome would it be that that car that you prayed for becomes an Uber for church, for people to be picked up and be blessed and be, and be, and be, and be filled with the presence of God? How awesome would it be that bonus that you're asking for becomes a bonus that blesses the kids in Kenya? How awesome would it be? Would God trust you with more? I believe he would. Because he said, if, you, if, I can, if I can trust you a little, then I want to give you more. Success in God's eyes is simply being faithful with what he's given you. See, some people are not faithful with what God's given them because they're always focusing on what someone else has. It's like, be faithful with what God has given you. He's giving you that family, be faithful to that family. He's giving you that job, be faithful in that job because that might be the catalyst for the next job. You have that car, be faithful with that car because that might be the catalyst for the next car. And so on and so forth. Right? But you are alive for a reason. Watch this, right? Acts 17 says this. Look, it says, For one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand 
when they should rise and fall. He determined their boundaries. In other words, God determined when you would be alive. If he wanted you to be alive in the 50s, he would have. Right? The other day I was saying to, the, to, to my students, I mean, I, I would love to be alive in the 50s. Then I thought, wait, I wouldn't make it. An African in America in the 50s? Thank God they didn't answer that prayer. Careful what you ask him for. Okay. Watch this. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. So you're here for a reason. You own a business? I hope your business is a blessing. I hope your business is not just about you doing you. I hope your business creates an incredible legacy. I watched a documentary about Warren Buffett. Like, he, he loved money, and he said, man, I'm all about numbers. But at the end of his life, he's about 80-something years old now, you know that his wife kept pushing him, give it away, give it away, give it away. And now he finally gave billions away because he said, that's what made my wife come alive. He said, not hoard it, give it. Give it, because the more you give, the more you're going to receive anyways. You know? Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg. These are all guys, listen, they may not even be Christians, but they understand the principle. No, seriously. They understand the sowing and reaping. Yeah. Right? Because the more I give, the more blessed I am. Listen, push to be productive. Push to live an eternal legacy. Ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing will matter for eternity? How I'm spending my time my energy, my money, my talent, is it going to matter? There's a lot of talented people in the world that are doing things that are not going to matter. I think God gives us talents for a reason, money for a reason. You know, this church is here because 30 years ago, three families took a risk. Just three families had a vision to have a church called New Life. Three families, with their credit card, rented a storefront and said, we're going to start a church called New Life, and we have a vision for what church should be. You know those three families are still together doing this? It's one of the things that blesses me the most about New Life, is the legacy, the character, the integrity, the passion, the commitment, the devotion of these three families. I see them every single week, still with the same drive, yeah. still with the same passion, still with the same commitment, yeah. still with the same love. And I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah. They want it. It's all said and done. They can say, man, he went all out, and he gave it all he had. Yeah. And I pray my, it gets on my kids, yeah. and he gets in their kids. Because what else is there? Yeah. If not, live an eternal legacy yeah. that matters yeah. on the long haul. How can I live an eternal legacy? I want to leave you with this quote by C.S. Lewis. So powerful. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, look, aim at heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you'll get neither. Let that sink in for a second. Some people are doing everything they can to, to inherit something that they can't keep. You can't keep it. You ever seen a hearse follow a funeral home? A funeral home car? You ever seen a U-Haul attached to it? We're fighting so hard to keep things that we can't keep. Just can't keep 
I don't care how much you, you go on a diet, how much pound you lose, how many more detox stuff you do, how many more oils you rub on your stuff. Like, you're going to die. You're going to die. But here's the sad part. Can I tell you what the sad part is? The sad part is this. Some people actually never lived. They were alive, but they never lived. You ever drive by a, a cemetery and just see the tombstone? So many people, you're like, they didn't live. You know, a pastor said the, one of the richest places on earth is a cemetery. Because it's full with dreams, visions, hopes that never came to life. Because every day we get up and we play life in our minds. But we don't actually do it. You ever meet people, they always have two or three things going on, but nothing going on? They're always about to make a move. But that was like five years ago. I always think about it. What if we just kept thinking about coming to New Bedford? Kept thinking about it. Kept praying about it. But never actually came. You wouldn't see what we've seen. Every time we do this, man, you should see me sitting here like a baby. Oh, my God. God, this is why, this is why. <laughs> because that's, that, that is my riches right there. I talked to a millionaire this week. I told him, I'm not a businessman. You are, and that's a blessing. That's your gift. But my gift is this. This is what I love to do. This is what makes me come alive. That makes you come alive. This is what makes me come alive. And God bless you for that. You have your gift. Yeah. But I hope your gift. Yeah, can invest in eternity because it's all going to stay here. The last couple of weeks, I've had two different people tell me, I started coming to church and my family and friends begin to see the difference and now they're coming. One, one person said, man, I got like 20-something people coming to church and I started with just one of us. That's a beautiful thing. That's eternal legacy. Here's how I think about baptism. That's 35 people. That's 35 lives. That's 35 homes. That's 35 legacies. What's the ripple effect of 35 people? This is why we should celebrate together. Because I know for me, I didn't come here on a vacuum. My grandmother prayed. My aunts prayed. Their moms prayed. And their mom's moms prayed. And this knucklehead just happened to be, I can't go anywhere. They prayed. I can't. I can't. I can't. I pray, church. We have a tender heart for the things of God. I pray we never get callous. I pray we never get tired of doing well. Because in the blink of an eye, we'll be in eternity. And all will matter is, is what you did for eternity. That's all that's going to matter. I pray we're not a church that never gets tired of doing the right thing. Because we're blessed by doing it. You know, when we tied, some weeks you don't see anything. You don't, let's be honest. 
Sometimes you're tired, you're out of that. But what else would that money go to? If not to bless the work of the ministry. Some people say, man, if I didn't tie, I would have this, this. I'm like, man, stop you right there. If you didn't tie, where would your life be? If I didn't tie, I'd have a Mercedes. Yeah, a Mercedes and a broken life. If I didn't tie, my house would be big. Yeah, bigger house, empty hearts. I can't afford not to put God first. Life is too short for me not to put God first. Live for eternity. You're not in a palace just for you. You know, the, the picture there is you're not in church just for you. That's the picture of grace. It's like I brought you to the church to make a difference, to be a blessing. Don't miss next week as we go into this vision. It's going to require all of us. But you know what? I believe it's going to be one of the most greatest things we'll ever do as human beings. And we're going to look back and say, look what God has done. Just stand with me. I want to pray for you. Aim at heaven. And you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth. You will get neither. As I read that, I get a text from Pastor Steve. Praying for you today. Freedom and anointing over God's people. That's what we live for. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.